This is Finding Sparkle, Chasing Light, and I'm your host, Nicole Brianne. Hi everyone, welcome back. I hope you're all having a lovely week. This week, I wanted to talk about a new segment I'm really excited about called Ask Your BFF and also share a story about making a friend in an unlikely place, plus the Murdoch murder story. But first, I wanted to wish my dad a happy 70th birthday. I cannot believe the man who can cycle and hike laps around me is 70. My dad's father came to Canada from the Ukraine and started a farm in Onaway, Alberta, And my dad and his four siblings worked tirelessly on the farm since they were basically toddlers. I'm not even kidding. I think my dad learned to drive a tractor at four years old. My dad's work ethic and generosity has carried throughout his entire life. In so many ways, I am identical to my father. Read in our appearance and also our ability to strike up long conversations with anyone. And in every other way, I hope to be more like him. My dad has this like constantly calm energy and being around him feels grounding and like home. And he is the most hardworking person I've ever met. He delicately balances being from a strong Ukrainian farm life with having a tender, soft Pisces heart. He will stop what he's doing and give 100% of himself to help anyone. Every single good thing about me or that has happened to me is a direct result of my dad's unconditional love and extreme generosity. None of that is lost on me, and I know even saying that can sound trite. But not only does February 27th mark my dad's 70th birthday, but just the day before was his 50th anniversary of starting his job at HFC. He reminded me that had he not taken that job the day before his 20s started, his life would have been totally different. He wouldn't have met my mom, had me or my two sisters, and he even said, and there'd be no Remy. So without getting too existential, it was pretty incredible to think of how the small decisions we make can impact our future. And it doesn't mean that there are always right or wrong choices. It just means his life would have been different. Anyway, my dad has been one of my biggest supporters my entire life. From attending my dance competitions to getting me a video camera and iMac to make all my dream movies in high school to financial help, moving help. He even dropped everything he was doing to travel with me on a West Coast workshop tour when my friend was unable to come help me last minute. And... I'm pretty sure he even learned how to listen to podcasts when I launched this one. I know not everyone in the world is lucky to have a great relationship with their dad or even have a dad in their life anymore. And so I am grateful every single day. Happy birthday, dad. I love you. Okay, I am so excited for this new segment that I am finally launching called Ask Your BFF where I give best friend advice for your anonymous submissions. I think I've put off starting the segment for a while because I worry it makes me come across as like holier than thou. You know, like who am I to say that I'm qualified to answer your questions? But I always say that life is a brief gift and what a waste not to go after your dreams. 
So I'm doing it. And honestly, I think I'm going to do a really damn good job. Because if there's one thing I know I'm good at, it's being a best friend. However, it does remind me of when I used to do my personal branding and social media workshops back in the day. Like back in the day of like 2014, I used to teach these full day workshops on business plans, branding, social media, and photography tips. Anyway, people used to come up to me after and say, oh my God, you're so funny. Have you ever thought about being a comedian? To which I'd smile and laugh and say like, ah, no, no, that's nice of you to say. And you know, that's the thing. It's one thing for people to tell you you're good at something, but actually doing that thing means you're admitting that you also believe you're good at it. And I have a hard time admitting that I believe I'm good at something. And when you come to a personal branding workshop, you're not expecting someone to be funny. So the funny bar is low. And naturally, it's a lot easier to be funny than if someone was coming to my workshop expecting me to be a comedian. You know, you get what I'm saying? So even though over the years, I've had lots of DMs about what would Nicole do? Literally, a few people have said like WWND, asking personal and professional advice, but actually doing the damn thing has me realizing I need to own the fact that I'm going to do a great job. Anyway, the segment is called Ask Your BFF. And you know, I'm just going to read it directly from my website because I think that's the best way to summarize it. So I am an endlessly curious, chronically overanalyzing empath who's obsessed with humans and our behavior. I've shared some of my deepest feelings and experiences on the internet and in doing so have unintentionally welcomed messages from strangers asking me questions about how I might handle certain situations through my lens of kindness but assertiveness. I've also spent the last 20 years of my life externally processing every situation of mine and my friends' lives through thousands of hours of beautiful conversations, talking through my emotions, feeling seen, and making sure my friends keep me in check has been one of my life's greatest gifts. And everyone deserves a best friend to talk through their problems or issues with. So that's where I come in. Do you have a tricky scenario that you're playing on loop in your mind that you'd love to get an unbiased opinion on? Something you just want a little extra validation about? Nothing is off limits. And if I don't have the answer, I will do my research to find it. Popular topics are friendship, career, cringy coworkers, bosses, mother-in-laws, sex, but open to chatting about anything. Submit your scenario or story anonymously and make sure you give lots of context before asking for advice and I will share it on one of my monthly Ask Your BFF episodes. So head on over to findingsparklechasinglight.com and click the button Ask Your BFF on the top right. Fill out the form and I'll share your story. And please, fill it out as many times as you would like. I know it might take a little while for this ball to sort of get rolling, so I genuinely and humbly ask you to share so I can make some episodes with it. And I can't even see who you are. Um, I know this because I've tested it, but also one time I got like a terrible, mean email. Oh, and also found out about my ex's affair via the contact form on my old website. And I even took it to a professional IT person and even he couldn't trace it because the only IP that would show up was my Squarespace hosting IP somewhere down in like Texas or somewhere. I don't remember now, but 
So really, fill it out, send it to your friends, and I can't wait to kick that off. You know that feeling where you've known someone or become friends with someone for so long or long enough that you kind of like almost forget how you met them or how you know them? Well, today I was thinking about how you never know where a friendship might start or at the time you never realize that this moment could lead to a friendship. And I was thinking about my friend Michelina. So four years ago, I was getting ready to elope in Los Angeles and I wanted an updated pair of sunglasses to wear since we were getting married on the deck of our hotel suite in downtown LA. I found these great frames, which were a collaboration between Warby Parker and an artist named Jeff McKettridge. And the frame I loved was called Edgemont. Naturally, the curious Gemini in me, I looked it up and it turns out his two frames, Edgemont and Atwater, were named after two neighborhoods. I thought, what are the odds? I am from Edgemont in Calgary. So I, I did some digging and it turns out that he grew up in Edgemont in Calgary, Canada. And then the new neighborhood was his new neighborhood in LA. And I just thought that was so cool because here I was getting married in Los Angeles and lived there for a while, but I actually grew up in that exact same neighborhood in Calgary called Edgemont. So clearly it was meant to be. Anyway, there was some sort of issue with not knowing if the glasses were going to make it in time for my trip and if I should potentially quickly cancel that order and ship it to Calgary where I was stopping first or even straight to Los Angeles, but then I would have to go through the US store, which I didn't have access to in Canada. So I had to call in to talk to their guest services line. From there, a lovely woman by the name of Michelina answers the phone and I kid you not, it was one of the best conversations I've ever had in my life. Instead of just the usual small talk, you know, like bear with me while I, um, you know, type in your information or whatever. She was pulling up my account, making all the changes and stuff. And we got chatting about life. We had this deep conversation about love, relationships, the patriarchy, feminism, hiking and nature and dating and racism, Nashville, Canada, all sorts of things. And it was incredible. And in the end, we decided to send my sunglasses directly to Los Angeles to the Ace Hotel where we would be staying. And sure enough, when we got there, my sunglasses were there looking sparkly and pristine as ever. Um, and Michelina had somehow swung an incredible gift by generously gifting me the sunglasses. And there was another gift from Warby Parker, which was this lovely little, a bunch of things. There was like a dog toy, rice, which like symbolizes prosperity in a wedding and a whole bunch of amazing things. So that is a standout memory for our wedding, especially because it was just the two of us eloping in LA. And so Michelina, Warby Parker, my Edgemont frames were all such a big part of our story. Um, and so our conversation was incredible. At the time when we were chatting, she was only on Facebook. And somehow like months later, she got Instagram and we connected there and we have been full on Instagram friends ever since. Like I watch her stories every day. I comment, she comments on mine. And it's just been a lovely little online friendship that I hope one day I can meet her in real life. So naturally, the other day, I made another order recently for some new sunglasses. Now, this time, the store actually made an error and attached this order to, like, 
not my email. So I was unable to print the receipt for insurance and, you know, track my order, whatever. So I had to reach out to customer service to find out where these missing receipts and glasses were like where they, what email account they were actually attached to because it wasn't mine. So sure enough, I message Michelina and I'm like, is this okay? Like, are you able to help me? And oh my gosh, once again, she goes out of her way above and beyond every day for the last few days. She's just checked on my order out of the goodness of her heart and given me updates. She messaged me the other day saying they were en route. And then, you know, a couple days later said, good news. They've cleared Canpar. They've made their way through customs. They'll definitely make it in time. And she is just being that incredible person that she is. And it's wild to me that I've watched her Instagram stories every single day for a few years. And I almost forgot that we didn't actually know each other in real life. And it was all from one customer service call. Like, if you know me, I mean, that's not that surprising, but how cool is that? So I wanted to share that as a reminder that you just never know when a small interaction can have a big impact. And that's not to say every customer service call needs to become your new best friend, but maybe it will. And it's a reminder that, you know, every interaction is with a human with like complex feelings and emotions and you never know where you might meet a friend. And when I think about my life and the future and just how you haven't met everyone that is going to love you and everyone that you're going to love yet. And I just think it's really cool. And I wanted to share that. For today's pop of culture, I wanted to talk about the Netflix documentary series, Murdoch Murders, A Southern Scandal. Lucas and I watched it the other night and it was very fascinating. Admittedly, I didn't know anything about this case, which I'm kind of surprised by now, just given how much media attention it's had. But sometimes I put shows on as like background noise while I'm editing photos or whatever, and I don't really pay attention. I can have a whole show on and literally not even know someone's name because I'm actually just focusing on my work, but I kind of like the background noise if I don't feel like playing a podcast. But this show, we were both instantly like sucked in. And one thing that was really interesting is watching a documentary of something that happened in the last few years is wild because there are photos, videos, Snapchats from the actual days of the crimes and mere moments before things happen. There's video footage because we live in a time where we are documenting everything all the time. And it's just so interesting to me how much we are capturing in our lives, never thinking that moments later, something life-changing could happen. I also thought this documentary did a great job of some use of more like cinematic reenactments because sometimes with documentaries, it's hard to sort of recreate like a scene, like a crime scene or properly, you know, capture the essence of the emotions around a crime scene or tragic scene without it looking too cheesy. But I felt like this documentary did a really great job. It all just like flowed together really nicely and but like, wow, what a story. If you're not familiar with the Murdoch murders, 
essentially there is this like family dynasty that basically ruled South Carolina and it was a few generations of high profile prosecutors. And then somewhere down the line, I think it's like the third or fourth generation, there's a man named Alex Murdaugh. Okay. And like the, (laughs) this is funny, but I'm watching the documentary or sorry, I'm listening to the documentary and I'm hearing Alec, Alec Murdoch, Alec Murdoch. And I'm like, but then I look up and I always have the subtitles on and it says Alex Murdaugh, like Alex with an X and Murdaugh, A-U-G-H at the end. And I'm like, wait, sorry, Alex Murdaugh. And I'm like, okay, I'm confused. So I listened to an episode of My Favorite Murder that had two of the female, yes, journalists who broke the case wide open. And you know, they're just journalists. They're badass journalists. But the reason I'm saying female journalists is because many people, if you just say journalists, picture a male still, because unfortunately we still live in that time. So I wanted to highlight that it was two female journalists who broke this case wide open. And in that podcast, they were explaining that Alex in a Southern accent, is often pronounced Elick. So perhaps the greatest mystery in this whole mystery is actually his name. Because even on the trial, there's a trial happening right now, I've heard them say, Alex, Alec, Elick, Murdoch, Murdaugh, and like a bunch more other pronunciations. Like even Alec himself and his lawyer, like his lawyer even made a joke about Alex or Alec, whatever his name is kind of thing. So anyway, I just thought that was funny. So Alec's dad and grandfather were, I'm pretty sure prosecutors. And then he was a lawyer, a high profile lawyer who it turns out was actually like super sketchy and committed some terrible fraud, but more on that later. Um, So that's like one web of the crimes. But anyway, this Murdoch family essentially ruled the New Hampton area as in like no one ever told them no. They were wealthy enough to sort of do whatever they wanted in the town. So Alex's son, Paul, was in high school there, and it was evident that he was a bit of a spoiled, entitled brat. I think he had some, like, anger issues and stuff, but anytime he was in trouble, he'd call on Grandpa Randy, you know, who'd make it all better. And people in the town said that anytime Paul or any of the Murdochs were in trouble, the problems would just sort of, like, disappear Um, So one night in 2019, Paul and a group of his friends are out at an oyster roast. You know, they're having some drinks, eating oysters on like a barbecue. I don't even really know what an oyster roast is, but something like that. And it was the farthest they've ever gone down on the river. Some of the friends were saying like, you know, they've gone down the river millions of times. They know that like the back of their hand, but it was late. I think it was further down the river than normal. And, you know, they all had drinks. It wasn't maybe the safest. It was cold. But Paul says, no, he does not want to leave his boat somewhere else. It's his mom's boat, whatever. And I think, like I mentioned earlier, no one wants to say no to Paul. So sure enough, everyone gets on the boat and the boat crashes. Um, A few people are hurt. Anthony, who's actually Mallory's new boyfriend, they're both on the boat. Anthony gets kind of like sucked under the water, but makes his way out. But Mallory does not. She's missing. Nowhere to be found. She likely got swept into the river rapids. 
Um, Anthony's distraught. You know, he doesn't want to get out of the water until he finds Mallory. They just started dating. They're smitten. They're so in love and so cute. Um, a few others are hurt, but I think they're still on the boat. They're getting taken to the hospital. And of course, Paul doesn't care about anyone. He's just out calling up Grandpa Randy in the middle of the night. He wants to let him know what happened. He's trying to claim that Anthony or one of the other friends was driving. He doesn't want to be responsible. Um, and Mallory, who's, you know, missing in the river, her own family wasn't even allowed beyond the police tape, but sure enough, the Murdochs can go right in. So that's sort of an example of just like the privilege that they had in their town. Now, unfortunately, Mallory is found dead eight days later, which brought some charges to Paul and led to a $50 million wrongful death lawsuit which was the beginning of the epic downfall of the Murdoch dynasty. So the Netflix documentary is mostly featuring this boat crash. That's They're mostly talking about it and interviewing the other people who were on the boat and learning all about Mallory and what a beautiful person she was. And um, the way this boat crash was handled and the events after were sort of exposed the power of the Murdoch family and the public began to speculate on a few other cases from the years before. So one of them was the mysterious death of another high school student named Stephen Smith, who back in 2015 was found dead on a highway in an assumed hit and run. So they, I think, kind of like open his case back up. They're kind of doing some more investigation because a lot of things didn't make sense at the time. But it turns out he may have been connected to the Murdoch family and potentially killed by them. So students say that Stephen was gay and that he may have had a relationship with the eldest Murdoch son, Buster. And obviously, you know, this is the South and this is a prestigious, like, billionaire family. They would not have wanted that dirty, dirty secret to ever get out. Because how dare someone be gay? Not in this family. Obviously, I don't agree with that, but presumably the Murdoch family would not have wanted one of their prized sons to be gay, so they would need to hide all evidence of that ever happening, if that's true. So, as well, when Stephen's case was reopened, they decided to look into another past case, the death of Gloria Satterfield, the Murdoch housekeeper and nanny for more than 20 years, who fell down the staircase at the family home, and she never really regained consciousness. So I think for about three weeks, she was sort of like in a coma or something at the hospital. And then she died three weeks later. Now, Alec Murdoch recently was charged with stealing the settlement money that was intended for Gloria's sons. So just sketchiness all around. But that's not all, folks. On June 7th, 2021, Alec's wife, Maggie, and their son, Paul, from the boat crash, were both fatally shot on the family's property. Apparently, Maggie and Alec weren't doing so well, so she was actually staying at their beach house or somewhere else, and he lured her to the family property, claiming something like his father wasn't doing well and she should come say goodbye. She wanted to meet them at the hospital, but eventually agreed to meet at the property and go together. So they have this, like, property... Um, and 
I think it's like their home and then somewhere there's other acres. And then there's this other part that has a kennel with some hunting dogs. So like not your everyday, like Saunders snuggle in bed, go watch the trains and eat a treat on the couch dogs. These are dogs used solely for hunting. And that's where all their guns are and where they do their shooting practices and all that stuff. You know, all that gun, fun, gun-related stuff down in the South. That is a terrible Southern accent, but here we go. Actually, this is funny. A funny side note. When Instagram stories first started, I used to have um, a pretend character that I would do named Carmel. And Carmel, you know, I haven't really visited her lately, but she was like a Southern girl. You know, she would have loved the story. And she just loved to hang out with her friends and like do stuff. Um, I'm going to have to revisit her someday, y'all. Anyway, maybe it's not the best to be like doing my old Southern girl character talking about a murder, but here we go. So Alec claims that he wasn't at the property until he returned from visiting his mother with dementia and that he found both Maggie and Paul dead, but a lot of things just didn't make sense. And they found either like a Snapchat video or just a video um, that they used as evidence at 8.44 PM, Paul, the son, sent this video to a friend of one of the dogs and you can hear his mom and dad in the background, both Maggie and Alec, which places Alec actually in the home before going to visit his mother. So his alibi already doesn't make sense. And even still, his mother, who has dementia, was unable to corroborate his alibi anyway because she, you know, her dementia is too severe. She wasn't able to properly say he was there, but his, but her caregiver said that Alec came by later than he's saying and the visit was a lot shorter and that he was acting kind of weird and fidgety. There's also like footage of him having a shirt earlier in like the Snapchat videos or something, and then a different shirt later. So like, it's like he changed after he murdered his wife and son, if you know what I'm saying. So that video is sent to a friend at 8:44, and they say that about three minutes later, both Maggie and Paul's phone are like shut off or locked and never checked again. So sometime in the next three minutes, they believe that they were shot and there was no evidence of a struggle, meaning that the person who shot them was someone they likely trusted and they weren't expecting it or seeing it coming. And I think there's a bunch of other stuff like they were shot with the exact rifle that's like on the property and the casings were the same casings as other casings they found on the property from like their shooting practice. And then that rifle, they used to have like three of them or something and one's missing anyway, which is obviously like the weapon. Anyway, it's very obviously him, but I guess we'll see. But that's still not all. Sometime in September 21, Alec is actually shot in the head while he's changing a tire and he recovers fine, but it would later, but it would later come out that he actually hired his own hitman to kill him in order to get his oldest son, Buster, something like a $10 million settlement because there was a suicide clause. So he couldn't do that. So he hired his own like brother or someone to shoot him. And then it like didn't work totally because he lived. Um, so 
not only is he currently on trial for the double murder of his wife and son, so now he also got charged with his own shooting of himself or like hiring a hitman for his own murder or something. But not only that, he's currently on trial for the double murder of his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul, which is happening right now in real time. I don't think I've ever heard of like quite a wild story. This one just has like movie written all over it. Um, And it's heartbreaking and awful. And just like hearing about all of the fraud and the victims from his law days, he stole a lot of money and a lot of settlements from people who were getting money for various like tragedies and he would just steal the money from their settlements um and of course naturally it would go under the radar because a lot of them were marginalized minorities like black people other people of color so while the netflix documentary focuses mostly on the boat crash and steven um who died on the highway and then gloria the housekeeper There's also just like tons of other crimes that are being exposed in the trial now too and on other podcasts. So anyway, a Murdoch Murders podcast, um, which started like a decade ago by those two journalists that I was mentioning earlier. And there's like, like well over a hundred episodes. So you can really go deep if you want into this one. But if you're like me and you need to get out of your own head, you know, and experience some true crime, like, why is that? Why do we like true crime? (laughs) I've genuinely wondered that a lot. Um, For me, I think I like to be told a story in the way that I like to be told the story. And I don't want to use too much of my brain power sometimes. And somehow true crime is always that. Like, it's easy enough to follow that I'm not using too much brain power because the storytellers are telling it in a way that I digest well and process well, but also it's interesting enough that I'm not getting distracted. Like I'm not suddenly thinking about something else. It's keeping me on the edge of my seat, but not making me use too many brain cells, which is like a perfect combo for me when I'm listening to a podcast, you know? And like, even though the story, even though the stories are totally morbid, They're delivered in a style that's like a conversational tone. And usually the ones I listen to anyway are, you know, done by women and they're in this like calm voice. Um, And sometimes they're really funny, which is also wild to think about, but their research is done in the way that I would research the story. And it's told in like a conversational style, like I said, and, you know, it's not anyone telling me that I need to use my brain differently or think differently or how to be a better person or anything. It's just a story about a crime. And I do go through days and periods where I can't handle true crime, um, especially right after I had a baby. And, you know, so I totally get that if you're not in the space for this right now. Um, But it's just wild listening to crimes that happened recently and just all the different evidence. I mean, we know that our phones are kind of like tracking us, but I don't even think we always realize how many cameras there are everywhere we go that people could look back and find us and car cameras, dash cameras, house cameras, gas station cameras. Um, our phone is like tracking like when we open it and what messages we open and all this stuff. It's just, yeah, it's wild. And I guess they even need to have a representative from Snapchat like at this you know, three week long court hearing 
because there's just evidence being used there and they don't really know enough about it. So they need someone who's a professional and anyway, it's just, it's just wild. And I highly recommend the three part documentary series on Netflix. It was, it was really good. And it was nice to learn more about Mallory and have her story be shared with such a wide audience as I know that hopefully meant a lot to her family and friends to be able to, you know, heal a bit more as more people get to see the beautiful Mallory for who she was and have her life sort of live on. So yeah, I hope you enjoy. You enjoy. 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 Well, that's our show, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am actually heading off on a big trip for the next three weeks and I am bringing my podcast equipment. So I'm excited to see what might be in store there. If you're going to Alt Summit or you live in Calgary or you know anyone who's going to Alt Summit who would be interesting to have on my podcast, please let me know. I want to go deep. I want to have some real conversations. I want to talk about hard stuff. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be like the most successful on paper person or anything. I just want some really interesting people to talk to, someone that you'd like to listen to. So let me know. And especially if you have a moment, please head over to findingsparklechasinglight.com and click in that top right corner, like I mentioned earlier, ask your BFF and share a scenario that you're currently working through um, with a question at the end. And I would love to put out a podcast with a bunch of those situations. And honestly, I'm really excited to see where that can evolve to in the future. And if you're feeling extra generous, if any of these episodes have struck a chord with you or made you feel something, I am always so appreciative for you to leave a written review on whatever platform you're listening on, as well as sharing it on your Facebook or your Instagram stories, just to get that word out some more and have the podcast fall on more ears. Um, yeah, I'm so grateful for all of you. I'm grateful for every message you send. I'm grateful for every like, every comment, every star rating, every review. Um, thank you. And if you want to stay in the loop in between episodes, you can follow me on Instagram at Nicole Ann. That's N-I-C-O-L-E-B-R-E-A-N-N-E or at Finding Sparkle Chasing Light. That's our show. Remember, you can only meet someone as deep as you've met yourself.